Hey, welcome to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. I'm Brendan Sinone. Joining me today in person is Wayne McGahey, a friend of the show from the Tallahassee Democrat, Florida State beat writer. Wayne, say hi. Hi. Thank you for listening so well. Uh, Bob Ferrante joining us as well uh, over Skype. Uh, this is the second part of uh, basically our preseason position preview podcast. We're doing confidence ratings to kind of use us as a vehicle uh, to go down the list of each position group and kind of talk about what we think the group is going to do uh, this season. We did the offensive uh the offensive confidence ratings, which is basically a scale of 1 to 10, uh, 10 being the most confident. We think that group's going to be elite uh, at, at any given time in the season, 1 being we think it's going to be just absolutely atrocious. Uh, and so you can go back and listen to the podcast as we went through the offense uh, the other day. Uh, now we're going to go through defense and special teams to kind of wrap up our uh, our position preview. We will be doing position previews on those 24-7, uh, a little bit different than, than usual, uh, we'll be doing like the three things we think format, three things we know to kind of give us a little bit more leeway as we're, we're kind of breaking down the position groups for this upcoming season because football's right around the corner, guys. Um, Thank God. Yeah, we're almost here. Uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast, I think the, the first practice is on Tuesday. We're recording this on a Friday. It'll probably be aired, though, on a Saturday or Sunday. So, like, it's going to be just days away. I'm really excited for it. I'm doing weird things with my hands right now, like fist pumps, but not really. How would you describe it? It's Brendan Sinone. I'm awkward. Being Brendan Sinone. I'm awkward. So let's get right to it. We're going to go through, again, 1 through 10 uh, with our position groups. Uh, and we're going to start off with the edge rushers, you know, edge players, defensive ends, essentially, buck linebackers, whatever you want to call it. Cause Florida State is so interchangeable. Uh, but we're going to start with them. Last year, we gave them a 9. Demarcus Walker was there. Uh, some people were kind of were skeptical of the depth. I thought that they were really good in 2015, and they brought everyone back aside from Giorgio Newberry. I like Geo, but not you know not an essential part of that. It was a good situational guy. Uh, so that was a group that we were really high on. Turns out, man, like that was probably a ten. That was the best group uh, on the team. I think last year, at least right up there, you can make the argument with them in running back. Demarcus Walker had sixteen sacks. Brian Burns nine and a half. Josh Sweat was really good. Jacob Pugh was good. At the end of the year, they had a bunch of guys. Now Demarcus Walker is gone. And that's kind of be the big question on defense, I think, is how FSU replaces him. Uh, so starting off with the, the rankings, this year I have them at an 8. I like what they have coming back. We'll get into that in a bit. Uh, Wayne, what do you have uh, at the ranking for the defensive ends, edge players? I have it as a 7. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really high on Josh Sweat, Brian Burns, and Jacob Pugh. Mm-hmm. Extremely high on all three of those guys. Really like Kando as well. A true freshman. Yeah, Joshua Kendo, yeah. five-star true freshman who was here in the spring and looked yeah looked looked the part. Yes, um, he had a really good spring game. Chris Nee, who who would you normally be helping us with this, is in Mexico right now, and uh, hopefully he's passed out and not listening to the podcast. Hopefully he's, he's knee deep in margaritas, but he likes to call Kendo a uh, creative player because he passes the eye test. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's on the other side that I have questions. Which after you replace a guy or attempt to replace a guy. Like Demarcus Walker, there's always going to be questions because Walker didn't come off the field ever. Yeah, he, like, he had like 900 snaps yeah. almost for a guy who's 280 pounds is pretty freaking crazy. It was, yeah, it was it was insane. Um, so behind him, you have a guy who was a tight end at what this point last year. Yeah, Jalen Wilkerson. No, he had moved over. Uh, Jalen Wilkerson came to FSU in 2015 as a tight end. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't then, move during the spring. He moved during fall camp. Yeah, so I guess so technically, point, I guess technically, you're, no, he, but he he started making the transition. He was posting stuff on on Snapchat that he was yeah, doing. So you okay. were technically wrong yet again. Well, okay, technically wrong. He hadn't practiced at <laughs> defensive end yet in his Florida State career. Anyways, so 
You have him. You have Janarius Robinson, who is a redshirt freshman. Another creative player. Looking. Another creative player, but who came in with absolutely no training at defensive end, was extremely raw. Brad Long's been working with him. I mean, maybe he takes the next step, but you have absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. And then behind him, you have what Trey Lawson, who's a true freshman Trey, that is extremely he, raw. He's not physically; yeah. he's not ready to. to maybe play. you can move Wally Amy outside because it's you have situations. the depth at defensive tackle. Yeah. But th- there's just so many questions on the strong side mm-hmm. that I, I just I don't feel confident rating it any higher than a seven. Now, say Josh Sweat takes and moves over to the strong side where I believe he can be extremely successful with his play style. Yeah. Um, a move that he is 100% against. Yeah, he's or, told you yeah. before that he's yes. not. Yeah, we've mentioned that on the podcast that, that he told you that he's not a, not yeah. a fan. He's, he's not, he was not a fan. So if he moves over and you can play Kando or Burns or Pew, or Pew yeah. at the buck end position – that probably goes up to an eight or nine for me because I believe in those guys. It's the unknowns on the strong side that have that I have questions about. Bob, where do you have the uh, the edge players? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with an eight. I I kind of like your reasoning, both you guys. Um, in the end, I, I agree with the sweat thing. He probably doesn't want to be on the strong side, but he can defend the run so well if he, you know, agrees to that and and has a you know, productive season, good attitude about taking on that, that position. And by all accounts, he's a kid with a great attitude and a tremendous work ethic to come back from this, uh, from that knee injury. So if you plug him over there, then you have to love all the guys on the weak side. You know, Burns is just, you know, scary with what he can do athletically. He puts the paws up. He can bat down a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just a, an amazingly deep group that they put together. I, I guess... I'm more thinking that Sweat has to be the guy at the strong side defensive end because mm-hmm. I'm just not there yet with Wilkerson. I think he's a little too much of a of a project at this point. I'd like to see him get some reps, but it's hard to sell me that he's a starter right now or he's even close to getting significant um, starting level reps right now. I think it's pretty amazing that we all have this unit so high and there is just a completely we have no idea who's going to play on one side in in spite of half of it in spite of half of it we have this unit so high because there's just so much talent so well it's it's funny here's and and i agree i mean it is uh, as we're saying that out loud i'm like oh man maybe we are a little bit too high given that that you're trying to replace arguably one of the best pass rushers in in program history because demarcus walker was so good at getting the quarterback in so many different ways and and, and the stats that like Brian Burns put up last year, and I was watching a Syracuse game. There was one time like they triple teamed Demarcus Walker and they opened up a sack for Burns. Like those guys lived off of Demarcus Walker being just a freak of nature, either on the edge or inside. Well, the good news is is that Derek Naughty, who I would argue was the best defensive player on Florida State's team the second half of the year, is still going to be there on the save interior. Save it, save it for defensive tackles. Keep that's it, keep, keep it in your pants, Wayne. Oh, that's fine. No, no. Um, but but. We've talked about Wilkerson before on the podcast previously. I think, you know, myself and, and I remember Chris saying that he was bullish more or less on Wilkerson. But, we, I mean, listen, no one's going to replace DeMarcus Walker and how he played last year. DeMarcus was an interior pass rusher. He was an edge setter. He can even rush off the edge as well. He could do a lot of things at a really high level. He could play in space a little bit too uh, if you needed him to. He, he could do everything at a really high level. 
you're doing that by committee. Uh, you're going to have Wilkerson or maybe like a Wally Amy uh, kick outside at certain times. You know, hopefully Janarius Robinson or Kendo are big enough to to step in and do different situations. It's going to be mixing and matching there, and hopefully maybe you move Josh Sweat over. I, I guess the part that makes me confident in this group is, is not just the the depth they have of speedy edge rushers, uh, but this is an underrated part of the defense last year is is how they adjusted personnel. Two years ago, man, they were pretty much a 4-2-5 team 70 to 80% of the time. They would go Dine Rabbit or they would put Derwin James. And let's not forget, hey, he's an edge rusher as well. Uh, you get him back, and he was really, really good as a rookie two years ago. But that was last year. They were pretty much in those you know three different schemes with the Dime Rabbit, the 4-2-5, or they had Derwin you know, in that weird, you know, he was the defensive end. I don't know what you would did describe. Did you see it. the gif of what he did to Josh Ball in the spring game? Did he destroy it? Oh, my him? God. Now, he had ball going one way and then falling down as he switched to the other. Is, I mean, it, it, was, he, it was just for, – for a defensive guy, it was beautiful. For an offensive guy, you're like – felt bad. At least it was know. better than the gif of the uh, the Florida offensive tackle trying to, to block him and just getting manhandled. That was a senior. That was yeah. the guy's four years older than him just getting his ass kicked. But So, I guess we should include Derwin James in this conversation for another guy who can get after the quarterback. And then you could also include Matthew Thomas as a guy who, when they put him on the edge, was really, really productive as a a pass rusher uh, when they blitzed him off the edge. But I guess this is my larger point is, you know, that was two years ago. They were pretty basic in what they did. They had a couple different formations. Last year, man, they went to the 4-3 a ton. They went to the 4-2-5 against Syracuse. They were almost exclusively in like a 3-3-5 where they had Brian Burns as a stand-up linebacker because Pew was injured. But they can mix and match the personnel. I thought Kelly did a good job of that once he was allowed to last year, once he was kind of able to go to his confidence. They even did some 3-4 stuff. So even though Demarcus Walker, you know, he he basically he could do so many different things and allow them to be versatile, I think you can kind of still be flexible in how you attack things. I think they have the horses to get after the quarterback. Uh, you, it's hard to replace a guy like Demarcus Walker. You don't do it with one guy, but you do have the potential to still have a lot of sacks and a lot of pressure on the quarterback. That's the name of the game is getting pressure, and I think they can do that. All right, so we move to defensive tackles now. Last year we had them at an eight. Uh, once Derek Nottie got healthy after he had an ankle sprain for a couple weeks, he was downright dominant. Demarcus Christmas comes back. Those two were your starters. They also returned Wally Amy and Frederick Jones, who were really good backups, I thought, last year. They get... Uh, this guy named uh, Marvin Wilson, who will probably be a pretty good uh, defensive tackle, five-star from from Texas, and he's the guy that people are bringing up uh, unsolicited. We talked about that on the, the previous podcast. When players bring up guys without needing to talk about them, that's usually a good sign. He's he's considered a uh, – Derwin James called him a freak of nature. And then you also have um, – who are the Darvin Taylor and, uh, Cedric, and Wood. Cedric Wood, who Jimbo Fisher's high on. Those guys are uh, underclassmen and backups. So a ton of depth. We had him as an 8 last year. I have him this year, man. I have him as a 10. I think the group is great. I think they have depth. I think they have versatility. Uh, I think it's the best group, best position group on the on the roster. Uh, Bob, what, what what say you? I debated giving him a 10. I'm going with a 9. Um, can't really tell you what beyond, beyond that. I just – I'm not sold on giving anybody a 10 yet at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the possibilities with this group. I mean – I can remember covering this program years and years ago when Odell Hagens was able to talk to the media and he had three living, breathing scholarship defensive tackles and one of them was Bud Thacker and the other was Kendrick Stewart. I mean, <laughs> to just see where this program has come 
in, let's say, what's it now, eight years, maybe nine seasons since that. It's, it's pretty insane. I mean, they've got some really crazy talent. Um, you know, could we see a little bit of, of crazy alignments on the defensive line? Could that allow them to play three defensive tackles at one time where they they kind of mix and match the different uh, different options? I just think you've got so much talent, and, and it's going to be just fun to watch these guys. They actually used Amy as like a big defensive end. We thought we would see that a lot last year. We didn't really see it. But against Syracuse, he was kind of a – and when they went in that 3-3-5 and they wanted to give Walker some, uh, you know, some – some rest, they, they did kick Amy out there. So I think it's conceivable that you see, you know, mixing and matching because that is a strength with with uh, the depth there. I mean, I, I don't know how many teams you can use three defensive tackles against, but I think they do have the athletes to where you could, you know, DeMarcus Christmas, man, he's he really long and athletic. And I think he had five pass deflections last year, which is a ton for a defensive tackle. Um, so he's a guy that you could probably even put out, kick out on the outside and the edge against certain types of teams. Like, I mean, they do have a ton of, of versatility with that group, a ton of depth, but it all starts with Derek Nottie, man. Like he is so good. Uh, Wayne mentioned him as a, you know, with the edge rushers and he's not going to ever rush in the edge, but he can collapse a pocket. What do you have? Six and a half sacks last year? Yeah. Six and a half sacks. And that's not his strength. His strength is stopping the run and just being a beast inside. And when he was healthy, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but when he got better in the second half of the year, when the ankle spring was cleaned up, the defense changed. And Jimbo Fisher said that the defense changed when Derek Nottie was right. And everything starts, if you can be good up front on, on defense, everything else is going to take care of itself and all other deficiencies are masked. And if he's healthy and he's right this year, uh, that defense can be really, really good. I'm going to channel my inner Billy Bob and give it a tan. Tan. Give it a tan. Um, this is a defense defensive tackle group that could go eight deep. Yeah. I mean, you could even go ten if you wanted to play freshman because they brought in a, like three really talented freshmen. Yeah, they did. The, so, the Newberry boys look pretty good apparently. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean it's just an embarrassment of riches. It's it's insane. I mean, Derek Naughty is probably the one player on Florida State defense mm-hmm. that gets a lot of love and it's still not enough. Yeah. Like people love Derwin James and Tavares McFadden. Dirk Derek Naughty needs to be in that conversation. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the country and he's excellent against the run. Mm-hmm. When he when he finally got healthy, he was he was a nightmare for interior guards to stop in the pass rush. Yeah, and even he was so, stunting, stunting and stuff and coming yeah, off the like. It, I mean, he was impressive. You know, you can you can move Demarcus Christmas. I'm high on Demarcus because he's really athletic. He's he's a quiet guy, mm-hmm. but um, he he does get his hands up. He could play outside. I mean, could you imagine a line where Florida State does play three defensive linemen, but play mm-hmm. Naughty in the middle, maybe a Marvin Wilson and Christmas on the outside, mm-hmm. or maybe a Naughty, you know, at the at the three with Fred Jones in the middle. Yeah. I mean, it's there's so many things you can do with this unit because you have the depth mm-hmm. that um, I, I think it's a 10. I think it's arguably the best unit on the team. A 10, a 10, yep. an effing 10. I'm not going to swear on this podcast. You already said ass, so I you failed. Think, I don't think ass is a swear. Uh, if you hear jingling, that's my dog. Oh, the mailman's here. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> not again. <laughs> No, we won't. Uh, we won't relive any of Rio's uh, mailman stories from the past, uh, allegedly. But um, 
Yeah, man, the defensive line or the defensive tackle specifically really good. You mentioned Fred Jones, like the staff love. Odell loves Fred Jones. Because like, Fred Jones is Odell 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. He's not the most talented guy. Rio, stop jingling. Go back to your room. That'll play. Um, Fred <laughs> Jones is not like super supremely talented, but he's technically sound. Like if you took Fred Jones' technique and work ethic and you put it into like if Marvin Wilson can, can replicate that a little bit, like he's going to be a first round draft pick and it's not even close. Like if, if DeMarcus Christmas kind of picks up the game, like Frederick Jones has it now, like DeMarcus Christmas will be a first round draft pick. Um, if guys kind of mimicked like what Fred Jones does technically and, and just, you know, his ability to grasp the game, like he's a really valuable piece to have in that rotation. I thought Wally Amy was really, really good last year in spurts. I think he kind of hit the rookie wall. He was a Juco guy and kind of wore down a little bit, but in that UNC game, he has the block. He had a few really dominant showings. He was one of the guys that actually looked good on defense against Louisville, and there weren't <laughs> there weren't many. He was one of the guys you saw. And you're like, yeah, yeah. What, there's he needs to be on the field what more. Louisville game. <laughs> um, never mind. We'll move past that. But yeah, so we all really like the defensive tackles. It's a ten, a ten, and then a, a nine from from Bob. Let's hating ass Bob. Hating ass Bob is so freaking negative. All right, linebackers. Last year, um, I had him as a six. Uh, they were probably a six when you take it throughout the course of an entire season. They were probably like a like a four or three in the first part of the year, then probably like a seven and maybe an eight by the end of the year, depending on how they played. Matthew Thomas was you really... You give them a ten against Michigan because they were... Well, Matthew Thomas was a freak against Michigan. And Rodeo Coskins, man, like he doesn't get enough love. Like he was good at the end of the year. He played his role well. I don't know if he's like an every down linebacker like they used him for. And, and you got guys that can kind of spell him now, but... Uh, Bob, I guess, where did you have the linebackers before we go more into those guys? What did you have them ranked as? I'm torn with this one. I think I'm going to go with an eight. I, I really like Matthew Thomas, the way he played toward the end of the, the Bob, these last couple have seemed to, to pain you. Sorry to interrupt. You, they seem, you seem to be excruciating to, to try to put, put the numbers on these last last couple. Are you okay over there? It's because he's trying to put faith in a guy that's played <laughs> one season after you know screwing up for three years. You know, it just feels like it's a unit that's an injury away from, you know, something something really bad happening. And, and you hate to say that, but, I mean, my goodness, Matthews has such a history of uh, off-the-field issues and injury issues that you never, you never feel really good putting a high confidence rating on this group. Um, I think Hoskins is also underrated. He's kind of developed into that veteran leader. He's made the play calls lately. We, you know, we, we like to see that progress from him. He was probably a, a guy who was forgotten, what, three seasons ago, and, and he's really developed into a, uh, a quality starter, maybe not the guy that, you know, Florida State would love to have out there. Hey, and, and Dontavious Jackson, I think I'm high on him. I've been high on him since, uh, since we saw him, I think, against Miami when MT6 went down with the, uh, the targeting call. And then Dontavious had to play a lot against Wake in, in the second half. Look good against I think Wake. Dontavious is a really, really talented guy. I'm, I'm just bullish on him. After those, I think we have some question marks. Emmett Rice is, is a guy who played really well on special teams. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he kind of factors in with this group. Um, still not sure how Josh Brown is going to factor in if he's kind of that buck end or if he factors back in at linebacker. I completely I forgot about him. Josh Brown when we were talking about the edge players. Like He's like the forgotten man because they have him backing up Pew. Who, who well, the, the Sam linebacker position has played like eight snaps a game. Well, a last little bit year, more than last that. Last year they went heavily on that. Well, yeah, but it's always going to be Pew. Pew, Pew, Pew. 
Pew. You're not yeah, he doesn't. Pew. Or, or Bur- they used Burns last yeah. year in that so role. So uh, when Pew went down, I mean, he's kind of. He was an early enrollee guy, and instead of playing him in the position that he worked at in the spring, Which they played Nick Patty against Ole Miss. So, yeah. You know, when I, I, I'm doing like these, uh, I did it last year, but I go back and I chart every single defensive snap and guess like, you know, formations and stuff. And then once the second team comes on, I stop because it's just, it's not worth my time. But sometimes it's kind of tough to tell like when the first team's in, when the second team in, like in the end of the game, so like they'll slowly start taking guys out of the lineup. Nick Patty was my barometer, aside from the Ole Miss game. As soon as he's entered, like, against Syracuse, as soon as Nick Patty entered the game, I was like, all right, we're done here. We no, no longer need to uh, to record any information because it's no longer useful. But, uh, but Bob, so sorry, you, you mentioned, you know, Emmett Rice. Uh, you mentioned Ontavious Jackson. Like, here's, like, the depth and the talent of that group is better than it's been in a long time. Since I covered the team, I started in 13, and that's the year they had Telvin Smith, and then Terrence Smith came in, and those two guys were really good, and they had a bunch of talent around them. But since then, man, it's been a shit show. Like I mean, the depth of that year wasn't even good. They just got really lucky yeah, with injuries. Yeah, they nobody did. Nobody got hurt. Yep, exactly. They got lucky. I mean, like, and Telvin Smith takes the next step from being a, a part-time starter to, to a great college linebacker and now a really, really good NFL linebacker, too. And Terrence Smith was a redshirt freshman, I think. Mm-hmm. And he played well, um, really well in the role they asked him to. So, yeah, I mean, the depth hasn't been really good. I guess 12 was really good depth, too. Um, that was probably the last time that it's been as stable as it is now. They've just had so much bad luck at the position with injuries, with guys not panning out. You had Shamar Kilby Lane transfer uh, out, and you know he wasn't a guy snuck that— Snuck out under a fence. That's a, a different story from a different time. I don't know if we want to get into that right now. No, we don't, because— Because it's my podcast, and if you're getting us in trouble with Jimbo or wherever, then it's a, yeah, I'm the one who feels it, not a 24-7 feels it, not the Tallahassee Democrat. That was Wayne McGahee, the t- Tallahassee Democrat, that's salty right now over a Jimbo Fisher line from when we asked him in the— uh, the offseason where Shamar Kilby Lane was, and he said he snuck under the fence. Turns out he, he was getting his grades in order and academically ineligible and transferred. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, linebackers should be better. We all agree. What was your what was your grade, Wayne? You didn't ask, but that's okay. I'll tell you anyways. <laughs> I had it as a 7. All right, um, you had it as a 7. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Matthew Thomas, but I'm still obviously still concerned, you know, can he put it together for another year? I mean, he put it together last year. He played all year. He was really good um, other than, you know, breaking Kaya's tooth and getting ejected against Miami. Man, that was worth it. I, I think it was. That was – That was. Not, I mean, at that point, you were, you know, basically officiating. I'm not one to really complain about officiating. I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm not a Florida State fan. You guys know that. But but Florida State was getting screwed with DeAndre Francois not getting that enough – like yeah. they were probably they called a couple of uh, penalties of roughing the passer. There yeah. probably could have been a few more though. It was essentially throwing at a guy because his pitcher threw it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your guy. So um, had to be done. Yeah, and you know I really like Roderick. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's great, uh, but I love the depth behind him. A guy that you know um, wasn't mentioned as far as depth is Adonis Thomas. Oh, that's right, JUCO guy. Yeah, JUCO guy transferred from Bama, didn't really fit their system, transferred out to JUCO, and now mm-hmm. he's here. He could see playing time because, I mean, he had he had a really good spring. And uh, there's just so much depth behind that unit that mm-hmm. I'm, you know, fairly high on it. But there's still, you know, if Matthew Thomas plays to where he played in the second half of the season, well, that's this, an unit's a, yeah, this yeah. unit's a nine. Yeah. But if Matthew Thomas, you know, kind of reverts back to the first half of the season mm-hmm. or gets in trouble or, you know, gets hurt or, you know, it's, it's you know, down at the, 
at the bottom because despite you know they have depth, but they don't have the true superstar player like Thomas is when he's on. Here's what concerns me about Thomas is he he's been on record as saying like he lacked confidence at times last season. And he didn't feel really confident until the spotlight and the pressure was off. Once they had lost to get UNC and they were three and two, uh, and pretty much the championship aspirations, you know, both conference and national, were out the window, um, then he kind of started coming into his own and feeling more confident. That was clear. Like the numbers, kind of like after that, you know, it showed that. So what happens now if there's championship aspirations? Like does he kind of shrink again and, and is a moment too big? And like I. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment of saying the last thing we saw is reality, but the fact he got better and played really well at the end of the year is encouraging. I will also say this, his two best games both came of him playing in Miami in front of a home crowd. So I don't know if that kind of conflicts with the whole pressure thing or if he's a guy that like has learned how to be a gamer. I don't know, but but he is the X factor of that unit and, and potentially the defense because if he's playing at a high level, that's a guy who has a ton of range, who can cover downfield, who can be a really good pass rusher. He was really effective last year in that role. Uh, he's a complete linebacker that's made for stopping spread offenses when he's right. Absolutely. Um, Bob, did we get – I'm sorry. We're Bob had a name. Bob had a name? Okay, I was making sure we got the number. I'm trying to write him down too as we go along. Sorry, guys. I'm being a terrible host right now. I know it. Um, defensive backs, let's go there. Last year <laughs> – I had that as a 10 in the preseason. I thought they were going to be really, really good, <laughs> and they weren't, at least initially. Uh, Derwin James gets hurt in the second game of the season. That impacts things. Uh, the sophomores who we thought were going to be great were Tavares McFadden and Marcus Lewis thought they were going to be kind of plug-and-play guys. Marcus Lewis, you alluded to when we were talking about the offense, Wayne, in the previous podcast, uh, was playing out of position. He probably was a safety. They had him at stars. They liked him so much at, at cornerback, they wanted to get him on the field. And uh, we had heard great things about him, and he just, you know, he was playing with a hip injury. He lost confidence and never regained it and only got worse and worse. And then McFadden was so hit or miss in the beginning of the year. Um, so that unit had a ton of growing pains. It eventually kind of found its footing post Derwin James. It took a while. Uh, it's when they start playing less explosive offenses, so that certainly helped. But um, it's a talented group. I have it as a nine. Like I still, I think it's going to be really good. I have Tavares McFadden. Obviously, the way he finished last year, you got to be high on him. He led the country in interceptions and cut down on on a lot of the technical issues that 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 made him a hit or miss guy early in the year. Levante Taylor and Kyle Myers are kind of the the guys that are up in the air for for that. You know, and even Stanford Samuels, a true freshman, could play, but they're kind of be the ones who fill up the only true unknown of that position group, which is. Uh, field cornerback Marquez White is gone. Uh, you have Derwin James back. You have Trey Marshall. Uh, you have Ermon Lane at safety. You have A.J. Westbrook who came on. You have Nate Andrews coming back. There's a lot of names, a lot of depth. Uh, I don't know if it's an elite unit, but I think it has the potential to be pretty darn close to it with it all kind of circling around Derwin James. I guess, Wayne, what do you have uh, for the number there? I don't want to forget you this time. Give it a 10. 10. Give it a 10. You, I mean, I don't – you have arguably the two best defensive backs in college football in in the secondary. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean Derwin James, yes. Derwin I, James, I, yes. Give me Minka Fitzpatrick over. Uh, you could make the argument though. It's not. It's a. It's a fair argument. Like that, you would have to have. Like you could sit down and make the discussion about it. So at worst, you have two of the top five. McFadden's really good. Yeah, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I, won't, I won't get into semantics. Okay. Yeah. So at worst, you have two of the top five defensive backs in college football. Yeah. In one unit. Then you also have Trey Marshall, 
headhunter. He just did. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's not getting ejected, I mean, you look at what happened against Clemson when he went out. Or getting hurt, too, because he, yeah. he actually got hurt on that play, too. Yeah. He, I mean, he knocked himself out and ended up missing the entire NC State game. He miss, He's going to miss the first half of the Alabama game. For a targeting For targeting in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. So Armand Lane, too, kind of a guy that maybe goes a little bit too uh, – goes for the kill shots, too, and yeah. kind of has a detriment, but – you have some dudes back there that like to hit. I mean, just, the thing is, is that the best thing that could have happened to Florida State for this year happened. was Derwin James Derwin. getting hurt, which sucks for last year. But for this year, it's great because you have so much depth and experience there. I mean, you, you must have, have too much. Where I don't know how you keep guys. Yeah, I mean, you happy. Have, you have Erman Lane and AJ Westbrook, who are gonna, who were probably the second teamers, and they combined for 13 starts last year. And you have Nate Andrews, who mm-hmm. has. Like he probably, uh, I mean, he's a really, really, really good dime linebacker, and I don't think he's as bad of a, a safety as people, yeah, uh, some people make out. But and like, he's kind of the forgotten man. But man, he's. Do, he, do you play him over Erman or Westbrook? I would have Nate Andrews as my dime linebacker. Right? Yeah, well, yes, but no, I'm talking about a safety. No, but like, I mean, it's. it's I mean, you also oh, have, you you also, Becker you also have a guy like Carlos Becker who can play step in and play cornerback. <laughs> or safety or whatever you need. Yeah, I mean, and you and he in, looked really good last yeah, year. And, and you brought in a guy like Cyrus Fagan and Hamsa, and it's oh, it's an ex- too. That's yeah, right. Yeah, it's an extremely deep and talented unit, um, and it's also got experience. Obviously, you're still worried about field field cornerback and uh, star. The star, yeah. but the thing is, is that both of those guys played well last year mm-hmm. when put on the field. Now they're. I mean, you've got Kyle who has was almost exclusively at the star at the, at, in the spring, and then you've got Levanta who was at the field, and now they're both like like they're not really like they're interchangeable. To One ex- can play either. To an extent, to an I think. Extent, I think the I think, positions you yeah. listen to that is probably where they're going to be. Exactly, but I also think they're going to be very good. I mean, mm-hmm. as true freshmen, they were both really good. They were they held their own. They weren't yes. really picked on, and they um, got they got experience. I mean. You know, you look at uh, what. Uh, let's not get over. Uh, we're both we're both really I'm excited sorry. about the safeties. Yeah. Bob, do you have a uh, an opinion on the safeties? What's your number? Defensive back. No, I'll go with the nine. I, I think it's the best safety in the country, hands down. It's arguably the best corner in the country. And and really, when you have questions. You feel like you have really good answers with with Myers and Taylor. Mm-hmm. It's really just a matter of where do you plug and, and play. I think they could even alternate if if one if it doesn't feel like it's working out mid season. I could see them kind of mix and match some some guys there. You know, and, and we're we're just I almost feel like I'm going to forget if I start dropping names. There's so much talent here. It's a loaded group. I think it's going to be difficult to keep everybody happy and yeah. get them all playing time. I agree, but my goodness, they're—they've got just so much depth. Um, it'd be fun to to just see how this group develops. I—I I think we almost just need to say it yet again. Let's let's enjoy Derwin. This is his last year. He's beyond anything we've seen probably since Sean Taylor, and uh, and this is just an impressive group. Yeah, it, 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 damn shame for. We only get to see two years of, of Derwin James as football fans. Like you only get to see him up close in person two years because, and only I mean technically, he only played really extensively for half a season as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, so if he stays healthy this year, like a season and a half, not even full two two seasons. Like so that that's unfortunate. But yeah, that 
there's Bob, you mentioned the point, like you, you want versatility and you want depth in the secondary, but man, like, like, I don't know how you get all those guys on the field, like enough to where they're all happy. Like someone's going to be an odd man out of some, you can only play so many safeties, even though they love those interchangeable defensive back safety kind of guys. Someone's not going to play a whole lot this year. And against certain teams, you could play seven defensive backs. Yeah, but even then, so like, so you have, I mean, you have McFadden and Taylor as the locked in, or or Myers as the locked in outside corners, and those three guys are probably going to see the field all the time if you're going seven DBs, right? Yeah. So even then, you still have Derwin, Trey Marshall, and you got to pick between two others of a combination. Westbrook, uh, what, Andrews, Lane, Becker. Becker. So there's going to be, I mean, there's just, there's only so much you can, you can do. And that's for when you are going with those, you know, seven defensive backs at a time. And like, but, but again, it's a good problem to have. I don't want to overhype the unit because we did it last year. My concern and why I don't have it at 10, like I did the defensive tackles because there are questions like Derek Naughty goes down. Like, you know, you've, you've seen that before and it's not terrible. It's not great, but there are guys who can do it and they're going to be a year older. Like, we think Kyle Myers and Lamont Taylor are going to be good as full-time starters, but they were situational guys. They played a lot last year, but they weren't full-time starters. They were situational guys. And if they go down, like, I don't know anything about the guys behind them. So that's my concern. Oh, and we have Malik Jackson, too. Don't forget about him. Yeah. Bones. Bones. You also have Ontario Wilson, who we haven't talked about, who's another freshman. That is staff likes a lot. The hidden yeah. gem from, uh, from South Central Georgia, and they like him a lot, too. Yeah. Is there anyone else that we're forgetting in the secondary? Probably. There's so many talented players. <laughs> All right, so we all agree, secondary. Oh, Calvin Bruton. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. I'm not going to say anything. Special teams. Uh, Bob, you love special teams. Wayne, you like special teams. I really don't care. I got him at a, at a five, and I'm not going to elaborate. You guys go ahead. Bob, would you like to start? Yeah, I, I think special teams, you know, Jim has talked about how you have to win in all three phases of the game, and, and Florida State has not really won on special teams in a long time. This is an area where they've got to see more consistency, more improvement. Overall, it's really tough to give this group a grade because you're talking about kicking and punting and return and coverage. I'm coming in somewhere around a six, I think, right now, just because we really need to see some kind of consistency from Ricky Aguayo beyond 40 yards. He's made everything under that, just like his brother did. But I keep coming back to North Carolina, not putting the loss on him whatsoever, but you need Ricky to make at least one of those three kicks to put them in position to win that game. Yeah, that probably would have helped. That, that, that yeah, have well, helped. yeah, I mean, they, they lost by two. You, you make one of those and you win by one. <laughs> at least. You know what's been weird is like that unit oh, – I said I wasn't going to elaborate, but that was a lie. I lied. Uh, like they've had success in all three phases, like or I guess four, punting, kicking, return – and coverage, but never, but not time. at the same time in the past. I don't know since when, but like thirteen, like you know, they, was that the last time they were good in all? Or did they struggle? No, did they struggle? Casey Beatty almost cost them a national championship, right? And then Casey Beatty was really good the next year. Debt guys, uh, you yeah. got debt? No, two years. Okay, that's right. Two years. Two years. Yeah, when Aguayo <laughs> took a step back. Now we got the dog squeaking. <laughs> Hang on for a second, guy Wayne. You carry. I'm gonna get the dog. All right. Well, um, I am. Uh, I'm very, very down on special teams. I'm, I, I give it a two, and he, yeah, hear, hear me out. Why? Because yes, we saw Logan Tyler get better, but his punting last year towards the second half of the year was downright atrocious. They can't make a field goal over 43 yards. 
the punt return unit is one of the worst units in the country, has been for the past few years. Can someone just catch a ball? <laughs> yes. My God. Somebody catch football. We can get uh, Rio. We can get my dog out there. He's got a squeaky ball right now. and He's not letting go. Kickoff returns. You, you lost both of your starting kickoff returners. Like, you don't know who's going to be out there. Yeah, you're going to have some really fast, athletic guys. I don't know the key, Gavin. I mean, yeah. Gavin wasn't, back, even when he was healthy in the spring, wasn't back there. That's true. So, I mean, you don't know who's going to be kickoff returners. You don't know who the punt returners is right now. You've got a kicker that, you know, can't be depended on for anything over 40 yards. You, I mean, you have a punter who either has really good hang time and it's really short or has really bad hang time and it's long and it gives him time to – you know, doesn't give his uh, punt return unit or coverage unit to time to get down the field. So I'm I'm really down on this uh, on this unit. Um, it, they may prove me wrong. I mean, maybe Tyler gets better. Maybe Aguayo, you know, finds some confidence in uh, in kicks beyond 40 yards. Maybe the punt return unit is actually decent for once. Please. I'm tired of seeing it as bad as it is. It's like it's like a complex at this point. Like, yeah. is it just like is everyone so afraid to like? I I don't understand. I mean, it's it's not just on the returner either. Like, the, no, people the, get the, out of their lanes. Yeah. They don't they don't set it up the blocks well. It's just I mean, it's a comedy of errors in all phases of special teams that just have me really down on this unit. Two man, Bob. Does that bother you? The 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 two. You know, when he said two, I was really taken by surprise. But he, but he definitely backed it up, and, and he has some some good, you know, reasoning there. I think I'm optimistic, maybe more so about Logan Tyler. From what I saw at the spring game, I forget exactly. I remember writing the story right afterwards. I think his average was maybe around 45 for the spring game, and he with, 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 with no rusher, with no rushers though. Just a caveat. No. And that's fair. I mean, we're we're talking about special teams that really is a joke for a spring game, but. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that he was showing far improved hang time. Um, I think the the one big concern, you know, as Wayne was mentioning, is you got to fix punt returns. Um, Jimbo preaches field position, and then you just see where punt returns have gone the last what three seasons. Um, the punt return efficiency S and P plus I have that in front of me, Bob, is one hundred and fourteenth. So the adjusted punt return efficiency is one fourteenth, and the punt efficiency was one hundred and seven. Out of what, 129? 128. 128. Yeah, so so in the pretty low in the percentile there. No, I mean, they had negative punt return yards per average halfway through the season. Did they really? Yes. <laughs> the, it was negative uh, 0.41, I think, like eight games into the season. I, I, Bob was saying with Tyler, like, I do think – like, I think he's going to get better. Like, I think he is uh, – I have more faith in him improving than I do Ricky Aguayo. This Absolutely. Is. I, I, I think that he will improve, but, you know, how much will he improve? Because, I mean, he still cost them a good chunk of yardage last year. And if, even if he improves a, a little bit, you know, how much can he improve from that? Now, granted, he is a monster leg. If he ever figures it out, he's going to be a weapon. Yeah. But the problem is, is that he hasn't figured it out, and I haven't seen anything other than a spring game where he did look very good um, that suggests that he's going to be significantly better in that regard. So I, just a lot of concerns there for me. All right. So this well, we saved the, the biggest discrepancy for last because I think between offense and defense, I don't think we had any other than a, like a, I think two-point discrepancy. So we save the best for last, and that's just hating ass Wayne giving giving the special teams a two. I mean, uh, listen, but like Bob said, 
let me let me complete a sentence instead of I feel like I'm Jimbo here, just kind of going off thinking too fast. There's a ton of different variables for special teams. Like, you know, their kickoff coverage has been really great the last couple of years. Um, so at least they got that area down. I don't think that's why that, it's not a one. Yeah, I don't think that changes. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that changes. Uh, but yeah, after that, man, it's kind of uh, up in the air. So maybe maybe a two is you know I don't want to be too negative here on a here on a Friday. We're about to go and and celebrate the weekend with a few cocktails, perhaps. But uh, yeah, maybe you got me thinking negatively. I don't know. Way to go. I'm sorry. I, I got to be honest because you won't be Homer. <laughs> My God. <laughs> All right. Uh, Bob, anything to add? Because I'm about to hang up and, and tell Wayne to get the hell out of my house right now. I think we're good. <laughs> and then on a high note, we always stick these, stick the landings on these podcasts. I love it. We never just fizzle out and die uh, like the last couple. So anyways, guys, <laughs> thanks for uh, listening to the Knowles 24-7 podcast. Thank you to Wayne for uh, for being a uh, insightful and fun guest. We appreciate him coming all the way from Crawfordville, driving up to uh, – to the east side of Tallahassee. Bob, thanks for joining us. You got a sick daughter at home and uh, and we were all going to do it live, but appreciate you being accommodating and joining on the phone. So everyone, thanks for, for listening and uh, I'm waving goodbye to the, to the microphone like you all can see me right now. <laughs> we'll talk to you later.